Welcome to the Bunyard with Steve Roberts, and as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here in the wee hours of the morning on Monday. It has been a uh, an eventful day. Woke up in Auburn, Alabama, wanting to get a sweep. I had many people tell me, hey, Steve, listen, while you're there, you got to go have breakfast at a couple places. And so I got up this morning, Sunday morning, and said, okay, I'm going to go have a big breakfast. And most of those places were closed. So I didn't get to do that, unfortunately. I did go have an early lunch at a uh, local taco place, and it wasn't very good. And that's kind of my thing on baseball weekends. I go and have tacos and uh, enjoy life. Had uh, Let me see here for a second. Let me see. Jason Caldwell is my friend from inside the Auburn Tigers, and Jason and I spent a lot of the weekend together. And I uh, got there Friday, and he and I went to the Bow and Arrow, had some tacos there. It was pretty good, pretty good. And that's the uh, the guy that won the Iron Chef contest. You guys are somewhat familiar with that. I'm not. I don't really keep up with that sort of thing. So I was you know, kind of apprised at that when I got there. But uh, nice atmosphere, nice place. And then on Saturday, went to Bob Baumhauer's Victory Grill. And uh, that that's kind of a can't-miss place for me when I get to Auburn, especially for baseball, and have a chance to kind of sit and chill. I did not get the wings I should have. That's not to say that I didn't have a good meal, but uh, when you go to that place, then the wings are kind of the specialty. I did have the, uh, I guess it was the hamburger steak. Good meal, and uh, saw a lot of good baseball. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I enjoy going to Auburn, I really do. I know many of you are still hung up on the Cam Newton thing. I, I'm kind of over that. Because Auburn's a lot like us. You know, there's, there's like this whole thing with Auburn – you know, people want to feel a connection to the university. Alabama is a national brand. Auburn is a regional brand. You know, in our situation, Ole Miss would love to be a national brand, but we are a regional brand. We're okay with that. And most of our students are from the state of Mississippi. Most of our alums are in Mississippi or the border states. You know, it's a little different for Ole Miss. And so I think as a result, if you go around this great state of ours, you'll see a lot more Mississippi State tags than you will Ole Miss. Because there are a lot of people that have those Ole Miss tags that just weren't quite Ole Miss enough to go to Ole Miss. But uh, we're very similar to Auburn in many respects. And so when I go over there, I feel like I'm uh, you know, kind of going to see those cousins you only see a couple times a year. You know what I'm saying? So on the way home, and it's my show so I can talk about what I want to talk about. And I'm going to share something with you that I'm really, really proud of. And you should be as well. So when uh, my daughters had a chance to graduate high school with honors and a chance to go to school wherever they wanted to go, they both chose Mississippi State. Now, both of them, 30-plus on the ACT, had many opportunities, really wanted to go to Mississippi State. My oldest daughter really wanted to go to LSU and be a golden girl because she had grown up in Baton Rouge and all of her dance teachers had uh, – had been golden girls at LSU, but they, they didn't, that didn't work out. And one day she's at church and she comes home and she goes, hey, I need to talk to you because she had uh, basically accepted a scholarship opportunity at Southern Miss. And, you know, that's 30 minutes from my hometown. Got a lot of friends and family down there. Got some friends and say, hey, listen, she can come wash clothes here. She can come over here and just kind of be a part of our family when she needs to and she can work whenever she wants. And so I, I was comfortable with that. I was like, you know what, if that's what she wants to do, if she wants to get away from home and kind of carve out her own niche in the world, I'm okay with her going to Southern Miss. I wanted her to go to Mississippi State, but I wasn't going to force her to go. And one day she comes home from church, and she's like, hey, listen, 
I think God wants me to be Mississippi State. And she said, I've made so many great friends here at Starkville, and I can't imagine not going to Pine Lake. And and so she elected to go to Mississippi State, and it's been a wonderful experience. She is a computer engineering major and uh, will graduate next spring and uh, would, have, would have graduated this year, but she elected to co-op, and she's co-op with Mercedes-Benz a couple semesters, and she'll co-op with them again this summer and then uh, see where the world takes her. My youngest daughter, her situation was a little different. You know, she made a little bit better on the ACT and, um, you know, did, did some pretty amazing things, ended up being a presidential scholar at Mississippi State. And for her, she wanted to go to state and uh, wanted to get her undergrad. She goes, you know, I can go to law school anywhere, but I want to get my undergrad from Mississippi State. I want to be a bulldog. So she, she got a presidential scholarship. She has gone and, and has done a tremendous job there. I could not be prouder of her. And so not that I'm not proud of both of my girls. I love them to death. And they're, they're both astonishing to me, the things they've accomplished in life. But my youngest daughter uh, was a pres- is a presidential scholar. And uh, when she was, a, I guess, a junior in high school at Starville High, someone encouraged her to go into speech and debate. It didn't really surprise me that she did well because she is a little bit strong-willed like her dad. You know, it's like you're going to have to beat me in the argument. You know, we, we might do things your way, but it's not just going to be because of the fact that, um, you know, you say we're going to do it that way. You're going to have to you got to reason with me. And you're going to have to sell me on your side of doing things. And so Mia is like that, too. You know, there, there are no really easy conversations with her. And I don't say that to be critical of her. She's one of those kind of people that she wants to understand. She's the only one of my children that has ever sat down and kind of wanted to know what I believed about life. You know, about religion and about certain things. And there's, there's, listen, there's some things that you show and demonstrate in life as an example to your kids. But to kind of sit down and have a heart-to-heart and say, Daddy, why do you believe the way you do? Why, why, what is this about? Where, what is this rooted in? Where did this come from? And then she'll just listen. And she never, ever tells me that I'm wrong or why she disagrees with that sort of stuff. If it's a personal feeling for me or a personal belief, she's got a lot of respect for that. Now, if I come for her about politics, I better be prepared to, uh, to, to deal with the debate because she is going to be incredibly well-informed when she has these discussions. And so when she got in a speech and debate, she really learned to look at both sides of an issue because you have to argue the pro and the con sometimes. You never know what you're going to be assigned. And so she goes through her senior year of high school and is undefeated the entire year until the state championship. And then she finishes second there. And listen, they'll never convince me there weren't some politics at play, and maybe that's some narcissistic thinking on my part. But I I think sometimes her having my last name is probably not always the best thing for her, especially in those circles. So she doesn't win a state championship, and it really bummed her out. And I'll be honest with you, it pissed me off. So she goes to Mississippi State and uh, is uh, JV varsity as a freshman. And so last year, she became the first Mississippi State student to ever win the national championship in speech and debate. It's a big write-up in the, in the, on the university website. I don't think the local newspaper ran anything. And again, I think that's probably got something to do with me. Uh, but be that as it may... She won it. Now, we didn't get to have the national final tournament last year. It was basically on ranking. She was number one at the end of the year, and so they awarded her the national championship, which was a huge honor. But there was a part of her, because she has this desire to compete, she said, you know, I really wanted to win that national final. 
So this year she goes back and she's varsity. I mean, you win the JV, you know, national championship division. You know, they're not going to let you go back and compete in that same division next year. So she was varsity this year. So she's out there with the big kids, right? Well, she dominated the entire schedule, number one in the nation, and doubled the number of points as a second-place person. Well, they had the national final, and guess what? She won it again. So back-to-back national championships. So there have been, there's been one student, and there's been two national championships in the history of Mississippi State. And so she has won that. It's very prestigious. And she, uh, she will go to law school. That is, that is her dream. That's her goal, uh, to go to law school. And no, it won't be Ole Miss. Uh, she's going to go somewhere a lot better than that. It's funny to hear her talk about that sort of stuff. I mean, not that she would ever consider that. But it's like Roger Wicker and many others, when she went to Girls Nation and that sort of stuff, were trying to con- you know, recruit her to go to Ole Miss. And she's like, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, she's going to look at places like George Washington or Georgetown or the Ivy League. It's going to be a big deal. I mean, you know, Vanderbilt is already recruiting her. They would love for her to come up there, and I'd love for her to go there. But, uh, you know, you only get one shot at life. And all due respect to everybody else, I know we have a lot of Mississippi State-educated lawyers, but uh, she really wants to go to a very prestigious law school. And so that's the hope, and uh, this is the uh, the Robertson era in Mississippi history. And I'm going to go ahead and get you ready for this, because if you guys think that I'm difficult to deal with, you guys wait till she gets in political office or becomes a public defender. I don't think it's a prosecutor worth their salt. going to want to deal with her. So I'm extremely proud of her, and uh, I'm proud of all my children, but this is about Mia. This is her moment. And uh, one of the things that so many people share with me when she elected to go to Mississippi State, and again, it was a really, really easy decision for her. But some, some people, my friends, said, hey, listen, Mississippi State's going to do this for her, and they're going to do that, and they're going to do this. And I said, you know, the thing that I'm excited about is what she's going to do for Mississippi State. You know, not just what State will do for her, but what she's going to do to Mississippi State. And she has started all these clubs, and she's recently in the paper for uh, – for doing this book drive for the prison literacy program at Parchment, gathering up all these paper book, uh, paperback books. And there were so many people that filled those boxes at 929. They did such a great job. And so she is very, very active in the community. And uh, I would say that her greatest attribute is that she cares about other people. She cares about disenfranchised people. She cares about the underprivileged. You know, it's not a situation where she just feels like, oh, well, life is just my oyster and that I should be able to go and do and have all these great things. You know, she thinks everybody should have some of those same opportunities, and she does her best to help other people. And so it's great when big things happen, and when they happen to your kids, it's even greater. You know, I look at all the great things that have happened to me in the last few years, and I'm very proud of all of them. But the things in life that I am most proud of are my children. And a lot of that is because I believe that we're making the world a better place. I believe that, uh, you know, we've raised these children to understand that you can have an extraordinary life, that it's not as simple as, okay, well, you know, mom and dad did this, so I got to go do that, and then I got to have that same standard of living. One of the things that I've encouraged all my children is to get a job that not just anybody can have. You know, there are a lot of people out there that go and you know, go into these wild open fields that uh, are not very lucrative because of the fact that there's uh, a ton of graduates in those same schools. And so I've, I've encouraged them to kind of do some things that are extraordinary in life because, um, you know, I, I believe that I've led a pretty extraordinary life and I'm not as educated as they are. And so I want them to be able to reach for greatness and not just be settled 
and be happy with a, a you know a comfortable standard of living. I want them to go out there and be the best they can be. And so it's one of those things, as great as this moment is for our family, and as great as this moment is for Mia, it's a great moment for Mississippi State, and that makes me really proud. She wanted to be a bulldog. She is a bulldog to her core. And one of the reasons that she worked as hard and studied as hard as she did and prepared, in addition to having a 4.0, and she did all of these tournaments, has basically no social life, because she wanted Mississippi State speech and debate to be considered among the nationally elite. And they are, and a lot of that's because of her efforts. And so it's not just me being proud of her for the accomplishment. It's me being proud of her for trying to elevate Mississippi State into something greater than it is. So if you see me talk about it on Twitter, you see it on Facebook, give us a like, give us a retweet, whatever, and uh, let's celebrate this together because this is a shared accomplishment. This is not just about her. This is about Mississippi State. And I had uh, somebody in the Mississippi State administration, Lee Hall, told me when, uh, when Mia came aboard, they said, you know what, we, we see this child as a five-star recruit. It's just as important to us as it would be if she was a football player. That's how, I'm, how happy we are to have her. And I'm so glad that she is reaching her potential at Mississippi State. I think it means a lot uh, for Ben Harvey and that group and the speech and debate department at Mississippi State, the work that they've put into her. And, yes, she had some natural ability when she got there, but uh, they've been able to kind of pull her potential out of her, and I could not be prouder. And so we've talked about that for a long time today, so I'm going to move on from that. But uh, I wanted to have my proud dad moment with all of you and just kind of share with you that this is something amazing that has happened that our family has been able to contribute to the success of Mississippi State University. Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. I need to get in there this week. I didn't get by there last week. Love going in there. Love getting stuff to go. You can still do that, too. And that's the one of the cool things, too, is they're, like, they're to-go plates. Like, if you're going to order to-go, you know, sometimes you order stuff from places and you get it home and it's just a mess. That's not the case. These guys know how to package food. It's very impressive how they do it. And so if you're looking to get some stuff to go to the office or bring it home to the family, it's not going to be a complete mess when you get there. They understand that. They understand you've got a presentation when you get to the house. So they're going to do a good job packaging it up for you. And I'm really impressed with the, the skill and the staff there and the care they take and all that sort of stuff. Go by and check them out today. Have that grilled chicken club. That's, that's probably my hot thing right now with them. You guys know I love the spring roll. But if you're looking, you know, kind of change it up a little bit, that grilled chicken club is outstanding. It really, really is. There's a couple new things on the menu, as you guys are well aware. Uh, that's probably my favorite. I'm going to get in there this week and have the full of, full of bologna burger, and then we'll give you a review here on the show. Uh, two locations to serve you right here on University Drive and Start Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and coming soon to Ridgeland. The secret's out. Looking forward to that happening for you guys down there in central Mississippi. There are many people that have said, Steve, we're really excited about this because Bulldog Burger is such a treat for us and the kids when we go to Starkville. Now we're going to have it right here in our community. I think it's great. And uh, looking so forward to that happening for you guys. And uh, it's listen, it's not just about, hey, this is so great for Bulldog Burger Company. This is great for that community because there's going to be a lot of people that have said, hey, listen, yeah, we've never been there. We've heard about it before, and they're going to learn the magic of Bulldog Burger Company, and you know, it's going to add some quality to their life. We know it's going to make them better looking when they have the spring rolls. So when you start seeing people there in central Mississippi walking around with smiles on their face and all of a sudden they're more attractive to you, you'll know they've been to Bulldog Burger Company. 
Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. I really don't know how long we go today. I don't know if, I, if you guys will get 80 minutes out of me today or not, but we'll see. But uh, we got a lot of baseball to talk about. Man, Mississippi State had the best weekend imaginable. And I don't just mean that from an on-the-field perspective. Mississippi State got a lot of help around the league this weekend. You know, we had that sweep against Arkansas, and all of us, and we talked about it on the show, is like every year we hope this is the year. And after we got swept by Arkansas, we said, you know what, it's not our year. And I got on the show and I said, hey, guys, it's a long year. A lot can happen. This is a COVID year. Maybe one weekend that – you know, somebody misses a pitch and rotation. Some crazy things can happen in the times in which we live. Well, none of that's happened yet. But all of a sudden, you look up, Mississippi State's a game out of first place in the SEC. That's right. One game back in the SEC standings. After getting swept, we've overcome that with back-to-back sweeps. Won seven games in a row now. So now, all of a sudden, we begin to feel a little different about our team. And again, I think it boils down to never getting too high, Never getting too low. And that's the thing Tanner Allen said it best, I thought, after the sweep at Arkansas, against Arkansas, excuse me. He goes, you know what? Those guys came in here in 18, and we swept them. And you look up a couple months later, and they're playing in an NCAA regional final for a national championship. They were drop, pop, fly away from winning it all. And so one series doesn't define you. It may motivate you. It may put you in a position where you have to kind of, you know, hunker down a little bit. But – the season is not won or lost on one series. There's a lot that goes on. And I really love this business-like approach we've had on Sundays. You know, we can never be dissatisfied winning the series. We can't just say, okay, we won a series, no big deal. No, every one of those games count. You know, and so all of a sudden you, you get a sweep somewhere. That gives you a little more margin for error. And so they don't look at the end of the year and say, okay, all these teams – had a winning record on the weekend. No, they rank you by who wins the most out of 30. That's how that thing works. It's not as simple as, oh, okay, well, uh, they won all those weekends, so let's go ahead and give them the regional. No, no, that's not how any of this thing works. Every game matters. You can't just consider Sunday after you've won Friday and Saturday as a bonus. No, it's not a bonus. We want to win the game today. It's in our song, right? It's in Hail Dear Old State right? Win the game today. And so I like how we have handled that this year. Yeah, we had some difficulties early on kind of figuring out our rotation. Now that we've got it figured out, we're getting things done. So let's take a quick look at our weekend at Auburn. And again, I tell you guys, I enjoy going over there. I've never watched us lose a game in baseball at Auburn. How about that? How about that? So maybe you guys should pay for me to keep going. And that's funny, too. You know, there is nobody anywhere that writes me a check that pays for my travel expenses. They just don't. You know, there are a lot of these newspaper guys, you know, they get reimbursed for their stuff, and, you know, they get a per diem and that sort of stuff. I don't get any of that stuff. We get in the car and we go because the Bulldogs are playing. It's as simple as that. And I've been hearing it for years, and these people have this misnomer, this misunderstanding out there, and they say, you know, well, well, Steve gets to go all these places because Scout or 247 or Fox Sports or whoever pays the freight. And that's not true. Steve pays the freight. 
you know, when I worked for Fox Sports, you know, I had, I had a, an allowance at times on certain events, but you'd have to have pre-approved travel. Well, sometimes they wouldn't approve a trip, and I would just go anyway at my own expense because the Bulldogs are playing. You know, I, I feel that I've got a responsibility to you guys. You know, you guys want me to get on this show and speak intelligently about our team. Well, how can I do that if I watch the same game you guys do on TV? You got to go. You got to get on the road. You got to, you know, listen, our, our post-game press conferences on the road for baseball are not done via Zoom. So if you don't attend, you don't get to watch them. Now, football, it's different. They have a little more of an elaborate setup. But with baseball, it's completely different. So if you don't go, you don't have access to that content. And so I want to be there to ask the questions of Chris Lamonis and the players that I feel that you guys are interested in knowing. I don't get to do that if I stay home. A couple of years ago, you may recall a guy named Jake Mangum was chasing the Mississippi State and the SEC hits record. Well, that, that's what kind of got me fired up. I said, you know what, as long as Jake is chasing Jeffrey Ray, I'm going to stay out here on the road. And so we get out there to Tennessee, and Jake breaks the record. I believe it was Friday night. And then there's nobody out there to interview him but me. And so we get an exclusive there. And one of the things that I've told the people that, that love me the most and people that are around me is, like, I get so much joy from road baseball. I enjoy being out there, meeting the parents, visiting with the parents. And the players are happy that somebody's there to kind of cover their end of things. In 2019, you know, Jake breaks the record, and, you know, we chase a national seed, and we end up going to Omaha. And I, I told some people around me, this is the greatest spring and summer of my life when I wasn't following my own kid around watching him play ball. So why would I deny myself the joy of road baseball? I've been to LSU, been to Auburn. I'm the only person in the media that can say that. And you know what? In two weeks, I'll be at Vanderbilt. A little bit later in the year, I'll be at South Carolina. That's a nine-hour drive. I think that's right. Or maybe it's seven and a half hours there. and Because then, then, I'm not sure if I want to go to the Citadel game in midweek or not. Still figuring that out. And then we're going to play Alabama, and I'm sure we'll all go over there because that's not an overnight trip. But, you know, those players, it means something to them when they see Maroon in the stands. Now, I'm in the press box, but I'm always so appreciative of our fans that go on the road to watch the Diamond Dogs play. I know many of you live in the area, and it may be your only chance to see the Bulldogs play. And so we had a great turnout of Bulldog fans at Auburn. And, you know, they just had the you – know, Governor Kay Ivey just changed the restrictions up there. They were able to get more people in. It had been 20% much of the year. So we had some Bulldogs were able to walk up and get some tickets and, and come to the ball game. And thank you for doing that. Because there were a couple times when the maroon and white cheer broke out, and I, I kind of got chills. I'm thinking, here we are on the road, kind of taking over a stadium. On Saturday, there was a uh, Rowdy Jordan lined into a double play, and then the Auburn student section started their Rowdy Rowdy chant. Some of them even called him a traitor. And then later in the ballgame, Rowdy gets a hit and drives in a run. And our Bulldog fans give it right back to those Auburn folks, and they start chanting, Rowdy, Rowdy. And so for those of you that made the trip and for those of you that lived in the area that went over and came out and supported the team, thank you for doing that. On behalf of a grateful Bulldog nation, thank you for going out there and supporting our players. It's a, it's a great thing. It really, really is. And I'm going to be there as long as I can afford to go uh, for the rest of my life because I enjoy – covering college baseball probably more than anything. 
as far as the work-related stuff in my life goes. I, I love the baseball aspect of it. It's a beautiful game. I think it's easier to write those stories because I have a passion for baseball. I think I've got a better understanding of baseball than most people, and uh, I'm willing to get out and go make the commitment. And so I love going, and uh, I'm going to continue to go, and I'm going to continue to do the show. And, and uh, you know, sometimes I'll be doing them at 3 in the morning, but I'm going to do this show for you guys. I'm not going to let the other work slip just because of the fact that I had to travel a little bit. So, so it's been a long and eventful day. But let's talk about what happened on the Plains. You know, we had that, we had that game on Friday pretty much in hand, and then we tried to give it away. But we found a way to respond there. So, again, I'm not going to run down the whole thing for you. But uh, I do want to hit some of the highlights here because I think it's important for us to kind of understand. It is a different hero every night for this Bulldog baseball team. I thought Christian McLeod was really good on Friday night. thought he was really good. Now, he didn't factor in the decision. But he did what he was supposed to do. I thought he really went out there and pitched well. I thought he had really good command of the breaking ball. Didn't think we had a great strike zone to work with, but he pounded the zone and he had so much change of speed and he was able to land that breaking ball for a strike. He was able to kind of keep those guys off balance. But, um, you know, again, he didn't factor in the decision. But, you know, we jump out early in that ball game. And, and of course, it's Rowdy Jordan kind of getting it started, right? Uh, Rowdy gets a walk, really worked the count there. Got ahead 2-0 and fouled a couple off, took a couple pitches, and then uh, he walks. And, um, you know, it's a one nothing ball game. You know, we walk in a run there. You know, it's just one of those things you begin to look at, the small things in baseball. You know, let me back up here a second. Because Rowdy got to hit the first inning, too. Rowdy gets to hit the first inning. And this is where we had a chance to do something, too, and we didn't do it. And so, you know, Rowdy has been hot here as of late. And that's one of the things I kind of joke around about. I said, you know, don't let Rowdy get hot. Because some guys behind him, it'll drive him in. So, Rowdy gets, you know, singles to open the ball game. We hit in a double play. And then Cam James gets one of his seven hits on the weekend. Then he's still second. And Hancock gets out. And so, we get out of the first inning. You know, we had some opportunities. We blow it. And we get into the second, and we come back around. And uh, so Logan Tanner walks. Josh Hatcher gets there on a fielder's choice. It's a bunt. They throw the ball away. I think, I think that's right. I can't remember. But um, And then Tanner Laggett sacrifices the runners over. Skinner's hit by the pitch. Forsyth K swinging. So here we are. Base is loaded with two outs, but Rowdy's able to work for that walk. We drive in the run. Had a chance to break it open there. We didn't. Tanner gets out. So we leave them open, leave them loaded, excuse me. And that's one of those things I thought then. I said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to regret that. We're going to regret the fact that we didn't do much with that. Not much else happened for a while. Everybody kind of settled into the ball game here. We, we, again, we had some, some opportunities. And then in the fourth, Rankin Woolley, who feels like he has been at Auburn forever. I mean, I think he's been there since Cam Newton left. He hits an absolute bomb to left. It's a 1-1 ball game. And then Christian bears down, gets a couple of Ks, and then we give up another home run. And so it's 2-1 Auburn. And we really, we've kind of let them wiggle off the hook here. And they hadn't done much offensively. They hit a couple of solo home runs. Kind of made you feel a little bit like that Arkansas game, right? So we immediately respond in the top of five. Again, it's Rowdy making things happen. He's on base for the third straight time, this time on an error on the pitcher. 
And then T.A. hits the bomb, Oppo Taco there, to make it a 3-2 ball game. We go right back, Cam James hits one over the green monster in left field. Now it's a 4-2 ball game. So what I loved about it is how quickly we respond. They go up before they have a chance to get any momentum. We come right back and stick it in their face. And now it's a 4-2 ball game, and we just kind of nursed that along for a while. And then um, they bring in Fitz. I thought we did a pretty good job hitting Greenhill. They bring in Fitz. And, and here's the thing, too, I don't think a lot. Maybe the, the casual fan doesn't know. You know, Fitz is a guy they were expected to be a Friday or Saturday guy, and they were going to throw Jack Owen, this, the other, and then Greenhill on Sunday. Well, they've had to put Greenhill on Friday because Fitz had the foot injury on the drive foot. He's still not all the way back. They're kind of bringing him along. We talked about that last week. They bring him in, and we immediately go to work on him. And who is it again? It's Rowdy Jordan. Rowdy again with a double to right center, and he's absolutely killing Auburn at this point. Then T.A. doubles and drives in Rowdy. Now it's a 5-2 ball game. And, again, there's Rowdy Jordan in his last trip to Auburn, right in the middle of everything, being the rally starter, scoring runs for us. We get to the seventh, and it's like, okay, we pull McLeod with a 5-2 lead, and you're thinking, okay, we're good. We're good. we got a three-run lead. All they've really been able to do is get a couple long balls, but they haven't been able to kind of string any hits together. Well, that changed. We come out there with Preston Johnson. Listen, I'm a Preston Johnson fan. He's going to get a lot of innings for us. He's going to pitch a lot of big at-bats for us. He, he, he kind of blew up in a moment. He walks two guys. We pull him. We bring in Houston Harding, and we get a pop-up on the infield out of Ryan Bliss, and then we give up a single. Now, all of a sudden, you like, there's bases loaded. So, we bring in Brandon Smith, bases loaded with one out, and he gets Wooly Decay. And I thought that was a huge out there, and I thought, okay, we're going to wiggle out of this thing. You know, Harding comes in and, and uh, you know, gets the pop-up, and then Smith comes in with Decay. So, okay, we're good. We got one of their best hitters to Decay there. Now, we can kind of play the big infield and get out of here. Well, then Miller singles back up the middle and to right center, and now they've got two runs in. And then next thing you know, we roll the ball to short. Brandon Mike could have made this play. But, listen, here's the deal. I want my shortstop to make that play. I don't want the pitcher kind of overextending himself and then pushing that ball into left field. So you let Scarborough make it. And uh, the throw is a little bit offline. If Hatcher is not kind of preset there, maybe he can stretch and make a play. But it's charged to the shortstop. But there were they were problems on both ends of the play. Now, all of a sudden, it's a 5-5 ball game. And it really felt in the stadium. I don't know what it felt like on television. In the stadium, it felt like we were in trouble. It really did. It's like we have dominated this baseball game. And then, we you know, we go out here and have some self-inflicted wounds. We walk a couple of guys. We commit an error. And now it's a tie ball game. We bring in Landon Sims. Let me back up a second. I'm skipping half inning here. I'm so used to us being the home team. They bring in Carson Skipper. And then uh, here's some craziness here. This is one of those things, too, that about life that uh, is a life lesson learned from sports. One out in the inning, and Tanner Leggett gets up there and just has the at-bat of the ball game. We get down 0-2. He takes a ball on a waste pitch. He fouls one off, takes another ball up, 
fouls one, fouls one, fouls one, fouls one. And then he pops up out there, out behind first. And so first and second base and first going for it. They lose it in the lights, and it falls. Tanner Leggett never slows down. Never slows down. He did look back once, and so, Tanner, we got to work on that. Can't have you looking back. But Tanner Leggett makes that thing a double. And it's a ball that hit on the infield dirt. Now, we've been on the other end of that deal, right? Maybe the baseball gods are kind of reversing some karma there. But um, Leggett doesn't quit. And he's making it really, really easy for Chris Lamontis to keep him in the lineup. He's playing clean defense. He's hitting the baseball, and he's competing. And this is the thing that I look at. This is how you win a job. It's one out, tie ball game. You never slow down. You beat the throw, and it wasn't as throw as some, it wasn't as close as the way some of our fans made it out to be. He was in there pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they made a throw, but he's in there. Well, then Skinner pushes the ball to the right side. We got the guy to third. And Jason Caldwell, to his credit, Jason turned to me and he said, you know what? He said, this is how baseball works. When you don't, when you don't play the game right, you let that pop-up drop, this guy's going to score on a wild pitch. Very next pitch, it's a wild pitch. It's a 6-5 ball game. It's funny how that works. When you play the game with effort and you handle the fundamentals, things kind of happen for you fundamentally. When you, when you dog it and you blow it and you don't make good plays, it usually comes back to get you. It usually does. And so we bring in Brandon, uh, excuse me, we bring in Landon Sims, who is phenomenal, and he retires this, the side on 12 pitches. And then we get to the ninth, we don't do anything, and Sims comes back out and he retires the side on 12 pitches. I think at four Ks. Yeah, four Ks. And it's ridiculous to think about the numbers this guy's putting up. Absolutely ridiculous. He's averaging over two strikeouts per inning. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I know some of you guys think we should use him all the time. I, I laugh about the message board commentary sometimes and social media stuff. It's like if with one out in a second, all of a sudden we don't seem like we have. Go get Sims. Go get Sims. Go get Sims. You know, we listen. We could have used him today. You know, he only threw 25 pitches, 24 pitches on Friday. And so if we had needed him today to close the ball game, we could have used him. It's a good thing we didn't have to, though. That saves more wear and tear on him. But listen, there's no point in gassing him back up. If you look, I'll give you a good example. Look at Cops from Arkansas, who I think is without a doubt one of the best relievers in the league. Much different guy than Landon Sims because he works a lot of that change and works a breaking ball to both sides of the plate. Got a lot of sink, gets a lot of ground balls. You know, he pitched all three games against Auburn last weekend. And then what happens when he goes in against Ole Miss today? Ole Miss gets to him. That's what happens. You start wearing these guys down, and all of a sudden you put them in a situation where you got to have them, and they're a little bit arm-weary. They're not going to ever tell you no because the guys are competitors. But we win the ball game, and uh, it really, to be honest with you, the game, the score is 6-5, but it's not indicative of how well we played. We have that one inning where we walk a couple of guys and commit an error. And Brandon Smith couldn't finish hitters either. I mean, that's one thing. I, I noticed it too. I know some people bring it up on the social media. And Brandon hadn't been as dominant the last couple of weeks, but he knuckled down and he gets you out of the inning there. And we come back and you know, take the lead, and Brandon uh, gets the win. He's got a 4-1 record on the year. So we get into Saturday, 
And uh, I really thought this was a game, you know, that we had to have. I mean, what I mean by that is not just winning a series. I mean, the, the quality of our play in this ball game was one that, to me, was a real encouragement. I thought we really did a good job in every aspect, pitching, uh, defense. We played clean defense. We hit the baseball well. I thought it was one of our more complete games of the year. So just as we did on Friday, we're able to score first. And, again, it's Rowdy Jordan getting it all started again. Rowdy Jordan killed Auburn this weekend. You want to know why they plunked him on Sunday? It's because he was killing them. Rowdy was killing them. And I heard the people calling him traitor and things like that. Rowdy Jordan went down there and killed Auburn. He opens up with a double down the line, absolutely turned on that pitch. It was beautiful. Then T.A. flies out, and uh, we don't move him, but then Rowdy steals third. And then Cam James singles back up the box. It's a one-nothing ball game. So we're already giving Bednar a little opportunity to work. And if you're like me, I'm thinking, you know what, that might be enough. I mean, if Bednar's on his game, uh, one might be enough. Turns out that it wasn't. But uh, we made it hold up. because we Offensively, we started doing some big things. But, you know, with two outs there in the second, Cam Hill hits a home run to left center. And it was one of those things, too, it just got up in the wind. And, he, and listen, he put a good swing on the ball. I'm not trying to take anything away from the kid. But the wind was gussing out pretty strong at the time to left, left center. If, if there is no wind, it's probably a warning track shot. But here's the deal. Those wind-aided home runs count just as much as the other ones. And so now it's a 1-1 ball game. And, again, it just kind of felt like as well as Will has pitched, they have come out and done a great job and put some swings. And he told me that Auburn was the most aggressive team that he has seen, and that, and that included Arkansas, as far as jumping on that fastball. They kind of knew. I guess everybody's seen film now. They kind of know what to expect. And, again, like great teams always do, we respond. They tied the ball game. We don't wait around thinking, okay, somebody give us the ball game. We come out and try to win the ball game right away. So, T.A. gets hit by the pitch, and what happens? Cam James hits another bomb. That's his seventh of the year. Now, maybe that was number six. I know he has seven now, so he's tied with Luke for the team lead. So, again, we respond. Then Luke gets a hit, and then we, we, we basically had opportunity to do some more things. We don't, but it's a 3-1 lead now. Uh, it stayed that way until the top of four. And so let's go through this again. We get a couple of outs, and then Forsyth walks and turns the lineup over. Doesn't get a lot of credit, but I think Lane is a guy that's really, you know, I'm excited about this kid's future, not just defensively, but offensively. You know, I know sometimes he'll chase that 0-2 slider, that 1-2 slider, and that's just about pitch recognition and kind of see and spin. He'll get better with that. But he works the walk here, and then what happens again Rowdy with another single. And, again, State's right in the middle of it. He's got two-out rally here. You walk the nine-hole hitter. We talk about the game of baseball. The baseball guides do not anoint you when you walk the nine-hole hitter. So you walk the nine-hole hitter, and the guy that's been killing you, Rowdy, singles it back up, and then T.A. hits the bomb. And it's 6-1. And I'll be honest with you, in the stadium, in the way Bednar was pitching, it really felt like the game was over. I mean, it really did. At that point, I think everybody kind of relaxed into their seats. And listen, I give Auburn fans credit. There were a lot of people that stayed to the end of every ball game, including on Sunday. And uh, there's a guy that walks around up there with his Auburn starter jacket on and his cargo pants, and he's got his, uh, you know, his discount batting helmet, and he walks around and he does the Auburn Tigers thing. And I respect the hell out of that guy, man. I really do. 
Those, those people make SEC baseball special. They really do. I don't know the guy's name. He's an older guy. I kind of joke with Jason. I said, man, it's you in retirement, you know. Someday when you retire, you'll be out here leading that Auburn Tigers chant. But I love it, man. I do. I, I love the color of the stadiums. I love the fact that people love their team so much that they would take it upon themselves to be the cheerleader for the team. That stuff's impressive to me. It really is. But it's 6-1, and everybody kind of felt like the game was over, but they stayed. And it stayed 6-1 forever and a day, it seemed. And I don't know if you guys recall this, but uh, Will Bednar goes into the seventh. I guess we did pick up a run back in the sixth. Uh, Josh Hatcher hit an absolute tank into the bullpen at right. And he needed that. You know, he got going a little bit earlier. He kind of flared one in the left field. It kind of eluded Ryan Bliss there at short. And then he hits an absolute tank job into the bullpen. Really, really happy for Josh. He has really struggled in the SEC play. I did the numbers on that. After he had the two hits against LSU, he was hitless in eight of the next nine SEC games. Then he, then he had a couple of hits on Saturday. And so good for Josh because if we can get him going – some big things could happen for us. So we picked that run up, and now it's a 7-1 ball game. Bednar pitches through the seventh, which is the longest outing for a Bulldog pitcher this year. And in the seventh, you get a K looking, a fly out, and then a single, and then a K swinging. And so he still had juice, and he told me in postgame that he could have easily gone another inning. Didn't have to. Didn't have to. We bring in uh, Stone Simmons, and then Stone gives up uh, a hit, and we get a K, and we get three singles, and we pull him and bring in Cam uh, Tuller, who got a great strikeout of Judd Ward, lefty versus lefty matchup, gets him on three pitches, and then Chase Patrick comes in. So we give up just a one run there. But, uh, yeah, it got a little dicey. You know what I mean? It's like you, you begin to kind of feel like that you know, bottom of seven on Friday. It's like, you know, here we are dominating the ball game, and all of a sudden we're kind of letting them climb back in. Well, that didn't happen. And so we end up closing this game out. And really doing a nice job here. And, again, you look at the numbers here. You know, it was just one of those games you look at. State hit the baseball. We were efficient with our hits. We drove guys in. We had runners in scoring position. We played clean defense. And got dominant pitching from Will Bednar. Jack Owen, I'll tell you a story, too, about Jack. As I mentioned, Fitz, you know, having that foot injury earlier. I learned this, too, about Jack Owen. And I like Jack Owen a lot. This is a guy that can really pitch. He's never going to overpower you. He's probably – 89 on a good day you know you know maybe if he and his girlfriend are in a good space that day he'll throw 89 but more times than not he's 87 88 and he can throw that change up around 70 he's got a nice change up fastball differential can work the breaking ball to both sides of the plate this is a guy that can really pitch and so we knew Fitz and Owen were supposed to be true weekend guys but both of them have really struggled because of injuries crazy thing happened to Jack Owen I think it was the next to last fall baseball scrimmage he's going to back up a throw and sure enough the throw goes long and he kind of has to like short hop it and in the middle of doing that he loses his balance and he puts his pitching hand down and try to brace himself and has a major dislocation of the middle finger on his pitching hand and then of course there's all this inflammation and it just took him a while to get back and so he's still not back to what he was but he's out there competing as best he can, even though he's not quite 100%. So look at bad luck for Butch Thompson is that you have one of your weekend guys, Fitz, has the foot injury on the drive foot, and then your, another one of your weekend guys has a dislocated finger on his pitching hand. And so, if, listen, if that happened to anybody in the league, if you lose your Friday and Saturday night guys, 
you know, for a couple months, and then they got to come back and kind of work their way back into good health. That's going to hurt anybody. It would hurt us. It hurt Ole Miss. It hurt Vanderbilt. Could you imagine if Vandy didn't have Rocker and Leiter? I mean, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, this played all the way through. There's not a team in this league that would be in the top half of the league if they had their Sunday guy throwing on Fridays and midweek guys throwing on Saturday, Sunday. And so that's kind of what Butch is dealing with. So we win the ball game. We've got the series. And then, thank goodness, we came out hungry on Sunday. We weren't just satisfied. And that that is a tribute to your coaching staff and to your leadership on this team. I was a little bit worried about Gonzalez. Not that I thought that we wouldn't beat him, but I thought he might give us some trouble because uh, Gonzalez is a um, sinker ball pitcher. And so everybody was telling me, hey, this is a guy that does a good job getting good sink. And I thought, you know, I've heard this all year. That's going to be trouble for us. We struggle with these guys that throw sinkers. Well, we didn't today. I think a lot of that, too, the moment may have been good, big, but we also, too, we were able to kind of go down in the zone and put some balls in play. And that first inning was absolutely incredible for us. And we've been waiting for a big inning like that all year long. We needed a big inning. We finally get one. And so Rowdy actually flies out. And so I'm sure they're thinking, hey, this will be great. I, I, I was not discouraged because I thought he, he really barreled the ball up well, even though it was something down in his own. And T.A. gets a single. Cam gets a single. Hancock walks. And all of a sudden, the bases are loaded. Uh, Logan Tanner comes through, drives in two RBIs. He had five on the day. Great, 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 great opportunity there. And they throw a ball away. Now it's a 3 nothing ball game. Braylon Skinner singles back up the middle. It's a 4 nothing ball game. Hatcher singles, uh, drives in a run. It's now a 5 nothing ball game. And that's what happens. You start getting all the horses pulling, man. We're going to be tough to beat. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, we get a single here and we get a hit by pitch, and, and Rowdy is hit by the pitch there. And now the bases are loaded, and T.A. nearly hits a grand slam. Nearly hits a grand slam, ends up being a bases-clearing triple. It's 8 nothing, and then Joseph Gonzalez's day is done. And listen, that kid's going to have some big days ahead of him. I mean, he really is. 6'4", about 215, freshman from Puerto Rico. It's just a kid that uh, probably, you know, is having to pitch on the weekends because of all the injuries. Probably should be kind of earning his stripes as a, uh, as a midweek guy. And so he's kind of being thrown to the wolves early. But I like his makeup, man. I really do. And watching that guy pitch, you can tell, you know, once once he kind of settles in and gets some experience, he's going to be difficult. We end up adding two more runs in the inning thanks to uh, Luke Hancock, singles and drives in Cam James and, and, and Tanner Allen. We bat around in the inning. And it was 10 nothing. And I'll be honest with you, I thought we relaxed a little bit. And a lot of people were wondering, well, what's wrong with Fristo? Well, here's the deal with Fristo. You know, when you got to go sit for half an hour, you, know, you heat up, you heat up, you heat up, you're ready to go, and all of a sudden your boys are putting up a 10 spot. Well, you feel great about that, but you got to go back down to the pen and get loose. And so we, we bring him back. And, you know, it's another thing, too. I've learned about this at every level of baseball. You get that big – you know, that big crooked number up there in an inning, and everybody just kind of relaxes. And so it's difficult sometimes to gas everybody back up. So I don't think anything's wrong with Jackson Fristo. I think it's, you know, it's just it's hard to sit and sit and sit and sit. I mean, you get hot and you sit, 
And so they come back and they put a, they put a couple hits together. They get a, you know a, an infield single. And uh, you know we had a walk there. We balked the guy over, and the next thing you know, we're in a little bit of trouble. And they they score a couple runs, make it a ten two ball game. Thought we were okay, but then we go out and go one two three, and then we get next thing you know, Bliss hits the dinger, and it was an absolute bomb. And what, what's the shame about that too, is we had a K swinging and a K swinging sandwiched around a walk, a four pitch walk to the catcher. And if I'm not mistaken, he's the eight hole hitter. And so then you K the nine hole hitter, and then you bring out Ryan Bliss, and who is arguably I don't I don't even know if that's even fair. I think he is actually Auburn's best player in many respects, and he hits an absolute bomb. Now it's a ten four ball game, and you begin to look up there and you say, my goodness, it's only the second inning. We went from being up ten to up six. There's a lot of baseball left to be played. To our credit, we didn't just sit back and say, okay, well, you guys come get us. And we again we respond in the next half inning. Rowdy, of course, is a one-out hit-by-pitch again. Again. T.A. hits the ball, uh, fielder's choice there out to first base, and then Cam walks, and then Hancock singles again, drives in a run, it's 11-4. A little bit later, Logan Tanner walks, and uh, next thing you know, we got something going on here, and uh, they walk Braywin Skinner to walk in a run. Now it's 12-4. We've gotten two of those runs back. Stayed that way for a while. You know, we ended up having to pull Fristo, but uh, he didn't give anything else up over the next couple of innings. And we bring in Houston Harding, and I really thought he settled us down a lot. And, again, that's not to be critical of Jackson Fristo. You know, Harding's coming in there, you know, trying to win a job too but you know he fristo has been up and down up and down up and down you know because of these elongated innings and it's just you know it, it's just too much to ask especially the younger guy and so harding comes in and immediately rolls up a double play ball and gets a case swing and we're out of the deal and then we go right back to work in the fifth put up a couple more runs uh logan tanner doubles to right center next thing you know we got things going again Scotty DeBrule drives in a run. It's 14-4. You know, and that's the thing. You know, DeBrule's seeing some late-inning work. He got a little more work today. But I think a lot of that's just because, you know, you had the drop pop-up, and that, that that's not going to put you in good shape. And then um, you got Tanner Leggett out there just not giving you any room to breathe. So 14-4, and it stays that way till we get to the six, and State puts up a couple more runs here, and we scored on a wild pitch. Uh, again, Rowdy's hit by the pitch in this inning. And uh, th- at this point, and I- I'm going to say this, and you may lose some respect for me, but that's cool, whatever. Uh, if I'm if I'm the pitching coach or if I'm a pitcher at Mississippi State or if I'm the head coach or whoever, after that third hit by pitch, the next Auburn hitter is going to wear one. And people are like, Steve, I can't believe you say that. Listen, that's, that's baseball justice, man. If you're going to throw at our guys – and you'll never convince me it was all accidental. Like some people in the press box said, well, you know, they're throwing breaking balls. Well, that's exactly what you would throw. I mean, you don't want to hurt the guy, but you're trying to send a message. So you throw that breaking ball up there and, you, you know, you hit him in the leg or whatever, and, you know, he, he limps on down the line and it kind of gets your crowd into it. But it's ridiculous to think that they were throwing it rowdy. And, and, I, and again, he'd been killing them all weekend. You know, why not just get him out? But – I believe you got to stand up for your guys. You know, Chris Simonis obviously believes differently than me. And listen, I think you know, the best revenge is striking the guy out. I, I get it. But I would have plunked him. I'm just telling you. 
And you may disagree with me, and that's cool. That's 100% fine. We may see life completely differently. But if I thought somebody was throwing at one of my guys, I'm throwing at one of theirs. I'm gonna, it's what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And you can say, well, Steve, two wrongs don't make a right. Doesn't matter. I'm not letting Rowdy sit up and get plunked. And it's not doing it. But we make them pay for it, though. We come back around and, um, you know, Forsyth scores on a wild pitch. And Cam James singles again, drives in uh, T.A. And then Hancock walks. And uh, it's a 16-4 ball game. And at that point, it kind of felt like we had survived their little storm. Now we're up 12. And it kind of stayed that way. And then they hit another solo home run. And I, I'm completely okay with it, too. Completely okay with that home run. Because, you know, listen, I'm, it's a 12-run ball game. I'm trying to get out of here. You know, don't this. This is not the time to work on your curveball. I want you to throw it in there and go throw strikes and compete and make those guys hit their way on. And occasionally you're gonna give up a bomb, and that's exactly what happened. So what? It was 16 to five. We had some opportunities there in the seventh, didn't cash in there, so it's still 16 five as we change them out. And Lamona started clearing the bench here. Started getting some guys in, getting some SEC action. We struggled at times with those strikes. We brought some guys in, and we, that's why we changed pitchers a lot. And I think it's a good lesson to be learned here. You know, when we got you in the ball game with a 10-plus run lead, just go get people into defense work. Don't get up there and get cute. Tepper comes in, does a pretty good job, does give up a double, but gets out of it with the uh, K swing. And we get into the eighth, and State puts on three more. Uh, Logan Tanner absolutely destroys the ball deep over the, the left field monster out there to make it a 19-5 ball game with six outs to play with. It was just a matter of just kind of getting this thing over. Auburn scores three in the eighth. I don't think it's important on how they scored. I don't even care. I was just ready to go home. 19-8, we don't do anything, and then they put up a couple of runs late to make it look a little more respectable. But, uh, listen, we took care of business. Simple as that. We went over to Auburn wanting to get a sweep. We got a sweep. And, again, we talk about how complete the game was on Saturday. We didn't get the best of pitching on Sunday. We did, however, get 19 runs on 17 hits, and we played airless baseball. And, it, again, it's difficult when you got to get a guy up and down, up and down, up and down. It's difficult to get, you know, cons- some consistency there. So, again, it's not a, it's not a problem with uh, Jackson Fristo. Houston Harding credited with the win. He's now 3-1 on the season. So that's your weekend. And, again, we just needed to go take care of business. We do. I told you guys after the Arkansas series we had to win five of the next six in the SEC. We get all six. So we're probably kind of a game ahead of schedule. And, uh, and good for the Bulldogs to be opportunistic for sure and go out there and take care of this uh, Auburn team. That, that will, I, I still think Auburn will pick somebody else off. They took a game from Arkansas and could have won that series. And then we kind of exposed them a little bit this weekend because we have elite pitching. But I will not be the least bit surprised if they get a game for somebody down a stretch. All right, let's take a quick look around the league before we get to today's top ten list. Uh, you guys probably should know these things by now. Maybe you don't. Missouri takes game one from South Carolina. South Carolina responds with two big blowouts to take the series there. Uh, Mizzou, though, it does have uh, four conference wins, which is uh, – Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. 
and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Uh, probably more than most people expected the entire year. Mississippi State will get them next month. Florida loses two out of three at Tennessee. Tennessee ranks six in the country. They will move into the top five after some teams ahead of them lost. Florida was ranked 12. Uh, they'll drop, I don't know, some people in our industry still love Kevin O'Sullivan. They should drop more than they will. Uh, Kentucky salvages a game on Sunday. LSU is the, C- the series winner there in Lexington. LSU still got to figure this pitching thing out. You know, they're kind of in a situation, too. They're having to throw some midweek guys on a weekend due to an injury to Jaden Hill. But uh, LSU is a team, too, that I'm kind of glad they're behind us because they're going to have some games like this, too. They're going to be good enough offensively as things heat up to take a game or two from the teams that we need. They still have Arkansas and Ole Miss to play. I look for them to take a game or possibly two from one, if not both, of those teams. Arkansas will probably get them. Ole Miss will be rather interesting. Alabama goes down to College Station, Texas, and sweeps all three. Uh, Texas A&M, there's no way – 
that they survive this year without making a coaching change. I just absolutely cannot see it happening. Absolutely, I, mean, I think A and M. I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, they play Tex, they play Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. So they got the next three SEC opponents are teams that are currently ranked in the top ten. Do you think you do you think A and M's going to find a way to win those games? No, they're not. Arkansas takes two out of three from Ole Miss and Oxford. A church league softball game broke out today, 18 to 14. You may recall, Arkansas kind of had a similar start to Mississippi State. You get out 11 nothing, and everybody relaxes a little bit. And listen, Ole Miss is a team that's not going to quit. There's too much power in that offense. While they may not have a lot of pitching in the bullpen outside of Broadway, you know this is a team that's going to continue to work hard, and they're going to do what they can to kind of push this thing along. And so. Ole Miss now has lost their last two SEC series. This is the thing, too, that I don't think people realize, too, is that Ole Miss got off to the uh, the great start because they hadn't played anybody of note. Now, all of a sudden, they're having to play some games, and there's going to be some other teams out there that are improving as this thing goes along. I think, I think Ole Miss is going to be a really good team this year. I don't think they're great. I think that bullpen's going to cost them some games. Okay, so let's run down some numbers here. Your first place teams, there is a three-way tie for first. Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Arkansas, 9-3 and three in the league. Now, there's a bit of a logjam at, at second place, too. State, Ole Miss, South Carolina, they're at 8-4. and four. And how about that, Rebels? We got swept, and all of a sudden, two weekends later, we're tied. With you heading to our place this weekend? Then you've got Kentucky and Florida right there at six and six, Alabama and Georgia at five and seven, Missouri four and eight, and then LSU and A and M three at nine, Auburn at one and eleven. So when you start breaking this thing down and start thinking, you know, about going to Hoover, you know, state's in a pretty good spot here to say the least because we've got you know very difficult teams behind us. But when I begin to kind of look at this schedule, I begin to think to myself, you know. The, our schedule is more favorable than many other teams within the conference because of our draw from the East. We just have to survive April. Simple as that. We survive April, we're going to be in great shape. And here's what we have left, for those of you who don't know. We have Ole Miss in Starkville this weekend. Then we go to Vanderbilt. I think we got to go take a game. Now, I hope we can win a series, but I think you have to go take a game up there to kind of stay in the race. Then you have A&M coming here, and we go to South Carolina. Then we have Mizzou come here, and we go to Alabama. And so when you look at the month of May, you would say even though State has a couple road series, we ought to be favored to win those those road series. So we have a chance to really finish strong. And last thing I'm going to say about this before we get to the top ten list, and I guess you guys will get the full 80 minutes today, is that while the 16 host regional sites will be announced, those games in May still count. You still got to play those games because the NCAA tournament field will be seeded based on your full body of work. They're not going to just go, okay, well, here's the top 16, and then you just can take the week, the month off. You're still going to have to play those games. And so State is in a real good position to play our way into a national seed in the month of May. Today's top 10 list brought to you by the fine folks at johnnypacker.com. Listen, you're going to, listen, you're going to go spend money on sunglasses, right? It's that time of year. I wear sunglasses all the time. I wear them when I drive. I wear them when I'm walking around. I got sensitive eyes. And so I wear sunglasses and I'm happy to have them. 
Sometimes they're a fashion statement, but more times than not, it's about keeping my eyes safe. I don't know how you feel about that, but you could probably use some new frames today. So reach out to our friends at johnnypacker.com. And not only will you be buying sunglasses that look fashionable on you, you're also making a contribution to a very worthy cause. A portion of every purchase goes directly to the Cystic Vibrosis Foundation. Uh, John C. Packer himself is one that's been afflicted with that and has lived with that his entire life. And the fact that he has uh, lived and thrived the way he has is remarkable. So he's trying to give something back to CFF. And so if you're going to buy sunglasses this year, and chances are you are, visit them at Johnny Packer. These are Mississippi folks. These are Bulldogs. You get that Hollywood style with some golden triangle flair. And all the sunglass frames are named after cities in the state of Mississippi. These are Mississippi folks doing a great job for other Mississippians. Again, that's Johnny Packer. Dot com. Go check it out today. And they tell me you guys have been coming, too. They've seen a lot of traffic on the website. Go ahead and buy those glasses. You're going to be happy you did. Today's top ten list is the Beatles. I thought we had done this list, but I, I began to realize, too, that this was something I just discussed among my friends in the infancy of the top ten list. Top ten list, the Beatles. Here are a handful, and, and I know there's, there's so many of you that are, that are great Beatles fans, there are others that say, you know what, the Beatles are really overrated. I completely disagree. Even though some of that earlier stuff is not really my taste, I've got a healthy respect for the Beatles, and I think you should too. So here are the, here's my honorable mentions. And I know there's some of you that are going to hate my list because you lived through this era and say, Steve, I can't believe you didn't do this. You know what, start your own show, put your own list out there, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But here's the, my honorable mentions. Uh, the Long and Winding Road, which is an amazing... Uh, amazing ballad I Want to Hold Your Hand that goes back several years A Hard Day's Night Ticket to Ride Come Together and Can't Buy Me Love those are my honorable mentions but here's the top 10 and most of these become are later in the catalog when they really begin to play guitar and you know what I'm saying like they really began to play it wasn't just up there strumming like the box tops and things like that number 10 is uh, We Can Work It Out Number nine is help. I need somebody help. Uh, number eight, here comes the sun. This is, to me, one of the best Beatles songs in the history of the world. I don't think it gets enough airtime, to be honest with you. Number seven, a Paul McCartney classic, Let It Be. There have been times in my life that's been my favorite Beatles song. Number six is Hey Jude. Not Hey Dude, it's Hey Jude. Number five is In My Life which is one of the greatest Beatles songs that nobody really plays anymore. It's like everybody just kind of sticks to what they consider to be the hits. But In My Life is a tremendous song. Number four, and listen, I know some of you guys are going to disagree with my top four, and I'm okay with that. Number four is I Am the Walrus. Many of you are thinking, you know what, Steve? You're going Y'all Submarine. I'm not going Y'all Submarine. I probably should have put that in honorable mentions, but it's not in my top ten. Number three, this one's kind of obscure, it was a single, but I don't know that it got um, the notoriety that many other songs did, but it's I Want You, She's So Heavy. It's been covered by a lot of people, but I love the guitar at the end of this thing. Number two used to be part of a Nike commercial, but it's Revolution. It's one of John Lennon's uh, tunes. But number one for me is Yesterday. I think Yesterday is one of the most beautiful songs written in the history of the world. If you've never seen the movie Yesterday... Let me encourage you to. It, it will make you love the Beatles that much more. 
Because the premise of the movie is is that there's this you know worldwide power outage and the Beatles are like a race from memory, except for this one guy who kind of remembers the songs and so he reintroduces them as his own. So it's a really cool movie and uh, a lot of Beatles music and there's a cameo by a John Lennon character that is uh, very profound. So go check it out today and uh, get into the Beatles. I think you should. That's where a lot of your rock music stems from. That whole British invasion was led by the Beatles. And it was just, you know, it was one of those things that there were, everybody in that era was influenced by the Beatles. So that's your top 10 list. Again, brought to you by the fine folks at johnnypacker.com. All right, let's talk a little basketball recruiting. This segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Longtime sponsors of the show, Standing Man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie. I love them all. They are like family to me. And they will treat you like family too. These are Mississippi State people that want to sell Mississippi State products at a good price. They want to outfit your family in the latest in maroon and white fashions. Go by and see Standing Man up close and personal, or you can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR. That stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. So basketball recruiting... Big news over the weekend, Garrison Brooks in North Carolina enters the NCAA transfer portal. Listen, it's not news to people that have been kind of following this on Gene's page. Paul's done a good job kind of keeping everybody abreast of what's going on with this. So this has been something that has been in the wind for a while. And now he has made the move. It is now official that uh, he will transfer, of course, with the coaching change at UNC. Roy Williams moving on, retiring probably makes it easier for Brooks to do that. And listen, he was a guy that was an, an all-ACC performer uh, in his career there. And so he is a guy that can come in here and be a difference maker for us and be an important piece. I don't think he's a guy that you run the offense around, but I think that he is a guy that can certainly play the four and allow Tolu to go to five and then help him on the boards. I really think that could be an important piece for us. Now, it's far from a done deal. So – Garrison's father, George Brooks, longtime assistant coach at Mississippi State. And so the relationship between George and Garrison's mom has not always been the best. And that was, a, that was really kind of a burr in the saddle when State was recruiting Garrison the first time. And it was so interesting, too. There were so many people that said, oh, he's definitely going to North Carolina and he signed with Mississippi State. Well, we were, we were expecting him to sign with Mississippi State. I didn't understand where all the angst was coming from. But I think the bottom line was is that mom wanted him to go to UNC and Ivan George wanted him to come here. Well, it didn't work out. He signs with Mississippi State and ultimately uh, Ben Howen and him elect to release him from his letter of intent. And so he goes to North Carolina, has a pretty good career up there. Well, now he's a grad transfer and he's ready to go. He's like, you know what, I want to do something different. And I think George probably deserves a year with the kid. I mean, if the kid wants to come down here and, and have a chance to play, there was some discussion that he might actually go pro this year. And uh, he backed off of that decision. So now he has a chance to come down here and could be an important piece of things at Mississippi State. We'll see how things progress there. But uh, a big hurdle has been cleared with him entering the portal in the first place. DJ Jeffries has already been in the portal. We were told the day that he went in, probably within the next couple of weeks, that he would make a decision. Well, we're in the second of a couple of weeks now. And so we ought to be getting close to that. Mississippi State is still considered the favorite uh, by many people, even the old Miss side is kind of conceding him to Mississippi State. Got a great relationship with Cam Matthews, who plays at Mississippi State already. 
and that's a big part of it, and the fact, too, that he's going to be able to play the three here. I don't know how much he plays, but all of a sudden, if you begin to think about returning Iverson and DJ and then Tolu, and then you add Garrison at the four and DJ at the three, all of a sudden you go from being a you know a bubble NCAA team, I think, to a surefire NCAA tournament team. I think that's how profound the difference could be. And you've got some younger pieces coming in that you can begin to develop. Probably need to find a point guard somewhere out there to kind of give Iverson some opportunities to play the two a little bit. But, um, you know, Ben Howland knows what he's doing. And so we'll just kind of move forward. But there is all of a sudden, you know, you begin to think about, okay, we we made it to the finals of the NIT. You know, recruiting appears to be going well, but we may get some plug-and-play guys from the portal. Now all of a sudden there's some not just room for optimism, but room for excitement about men's basketball for next year. Now you start thinking, okay, listen, you know, we were almost left, you know, left for dead. Now, all of a sudden, we have a winning record and we make a run in the postseason. And now, all of a sudden, we're able to get some guys in here that can kind of be stopgap guys for us while these younger guys develop. Could be a big deal. Really could be. Not saying State's going to get them both, but, man, how cool would it be if they do? It'd be great to have the hump rocket once again. I mean, it really, really would. All right, let's get into some football recruiting brought to you by the folks at Portico. You know, Brooks Bryant is your friend, my friend, everybody's friend. Former Diamond Dog, Brooks Bryant. Now one of the developers of this great new residential uh, complex here in Starkville, right off of Garrett Road. And so people always say, well, I always talk about Garrett Road. Steve, where is it? Well, you come off 82 on the 12, like going to campus, the very first right will take you right to Portico. That's how close it is. It's 1.1 miles from campus. Got a walking trail, got a pavilion area, got everything you need to have those family gatherings and do some cool stuff out there. A house that can fit every need. Simple as that. If you've got a young family, you've got a growing family, or maybe it's an investment property for you, maybe it's just a ball game weekend getaway place, Maybe you're tired of paying those ridiculously high-priced hotel rates, you know, 10, 15 times a year. Because, I mean, listen, if you're coming to, if you're coming to uh, football games, you're coming to Super Bowl all weekend, you're coming – because then what happens is you start thinking, we've got a place up there we need to go more often. And so now all of a sudden, you know, it kind of frees up some capital for you to do some other stuff. And so Brooks is there to help you. And the first phase is nearly finished. What I mean by that is just about every house in phase one has been taken. Still room for a couple of you guys left to get in here before they have to move on to uh, to phase two. And so there's no point in delaying any longer. You need to give Brooks a call and let him kind of give you the information you need. Most of you have been thinking, you know, one day, Steve, it's my dream for, for us to live in Starkville. It was my dream too, except I made my dream reality. I'm here now. So come be my neighbor just down the road at Portico. Give Brooks a call today, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. And if you want questions about those uh, late 90s baseball teams, he's got a lot of dirt that he can share with you. And listen, that's the thing about Brooks, too. Anybody will tell you, Brooks is happy to talk baseball. All right, so we pick up a commitment over the weekend on Sunday of Wesley Miller out of Heritage Academy. Now, there's a couple things about this that I want to say because uh, there are a lot of people out there that have different opinions than me, and uh, that's what they are, is opinions. So 
This has been something that Mississippi State has been working on getting done now for a couple weeks. You know, it's uh, what I say by that is is that you know this is a guy from Columbus that has several Power Five offers. This is a guy from Columbus that fits what Mississippi State wants to do. This is a guy that's very athletic and a guy that can play multiple spots in the secondary if called upon. So he committed to Mississippi State. Here are his list of offers. He has a dozen or more right now. One of the more impressive offer sheets of the commitment list. Offer from Florida State, Illinois, Louisiana Tech, Memphis, Miami, Michigan State, Minnesota, NC State, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Wake Forest, and interest from Wisconsin. So you get this guy in the boat. It's going to be a bigger defensive back class, probably bigger than what we even initially uh, forecast. And you remember last year, and we're still dealing with uh, some defensive back recruiting for 2021, still trying to get some things finished. This is going to be a large DB class, probably around six. We thought we would probably take five, a full secondary. Could be six, possibly seven. That's how important it is. So you already have a handful of these guys already committed. You got Jeterius Elam, a corner out of Greenville. He's already in. You got Colin Griffin from Montgomery Catholic Prep as a safety. He's in. And now Wes Miller. So you got three guys in. And then there's a lot of discussion about Jordan Thomas joining the class Monday morning. Now all of a sudden it takes you to four. You've got some other guys out there that uh, basically have committed and hadn't announced yet. And so you start looking at those and start saying, okay, where are we going to have room for these guys? Listen, we're not going to turn away great players. We're not going to do it, especially at some personnel groups where we have some deficiencies. And so secondary is kind of one of those. You're going to be losing a lot of guys at safety this year. That's one thing I don't think people fully appreciate. When you when there are, Listen, there are no true seniors this year, but there will be some guys that will move on. There will be some guys that, um, you know, their, their numbers will be up and they'll decide to go pro or they'll just decide, you know what, I'm done playing football. You know, maybe I'm ready to go do something different. And you look at the scholarship distribution, you know, C.J. Morgan, of course, is back as a, as a true senior. Fred Peters back. So you can lose both of those guys. Uh, Landon Gittery is a guy that's been – I think Landon's already got his degree. I'm not sure what he plans to do uh, long-term, if he plans to stay on or not. But you kind of got to be, be prepared for that. And so there's three safeties right there that you feel like are going to be, you know, the possibility of moving on. And so those are things you kind of look at. You look at corner here, you know, Kyle Cass is the guy that, uh, you know, was signed as working at corner and hadn't done much at all. And so there's some other guys on this um, – a cornerbacks group that could probably be processed out. And so you've got some guys in there that probably need to be replaced. Now, I can look at it and say that. It's because I can be honest. Of course, your coaching staff can be honest with themselves, but they can't come out publicly and say, you know, listen, we need to do this, do that, or whatever. That's just kind of how the law works when you're dealing with NCAA. And so I say that to say this. is It's going to be a very defensive back-heavy class. Todd Woodard, of course, still very much a possibility. Uh, he's one of these guys who's been trying to get a video together for a week or more. I, I'm ready to get him committed to kind of get it done. You know, it's just to kind of remove this as a topic of conversation. And then I understand we're going to get, you know, really serious about some of these defensive line prospects. But so this could be a pretty good week for Mississippi State. You, you get Wesley Miller on Sunday. He actually committed on Friday. Today's his mom's birthday. He wanted to, to save the announcement for today. He did. 
you got a couple other guys out there with commitment graphics on their phone. We're just waiting for them to kind of tweet those things out. So we'll see how things progress. But uh, could be a good week. Could be a nice little run here. And then, of course, it's Super Bulldog weekend. And just about everybody that is a Bulldog target of note will be here. Now, there will be a few guys that can't make it due to the ACT. I understand they, there are going to be a handful of guys that uh, State really wanted to be here that had the ACT. So uh, that's just something we'll have to overcome. Now, um, Bryson Hurst is going to be here. That's a big offensive line target. Carter Edwards is a guy that's expected to be here. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm surprised Carter Edwards hadn't done it yet. But I don't think that he can afford to wait, if you know what I'm saying. Like, I, like if, if he was ready to do it, and then we're going to take some trips and – We've done that now, and then now we're not quite sure. There are so many guys out there like Matt Craycraft and then, um, you know, Kaysen's out there, and then uh, you've got Hurst out there. You've got several guys out here. And so with two offensive linemen already committed, I just don't know if you wait out Carter Edwards. You know, you know what I'm saying? So I think if, if he jumps in the boat now, great. If he doesn't, there are players with comparable ability that you could go ahead and take sooner rather than later. Uh, I like Carter Edwards, though. I like for him to be in the class. But I don't think this is a situation where you, you, know, you wait out till October to get him. There are a lot of people banking on these uh, June official visits, and uh, none of that has been approved yet. I, you know, kids are tweeting out all these graphics and lock it in or whatever. None of that's been approved. I know people are just kind of trying to get some juice. But the, the uh, rules committee, or the, excuse me, the Division One Council is not going to meet until I think next week, and then they'll begin to make some decisions, and then the membership will vote on it. But it's not been approved. I don't care how many graphics they tweet out; it hasn't been approved yet. And you can say, "Well, Steve, it's expected to be." Well, no, it's still kind of fifty-fifty, and a lot of it's because of the fact that the schools on the West Coast are still having to deal with some very restrictive COVID guidelines. And so the NCAA has to make a decision what's best for the entire membership, not just what's based on an individual region. And so in many ways, we're all kind of held hostage by those West Coast states that are still uh, being very, very strict when it comes to lockdowns and things like that. And so the NCAA can't say, okay, well, Alabama, yeah, you can let this kid visit, but USC, you can't. You know, so they've got to be able to do something that involves everybody. So that's something to really watch uh, here in the weeks to come. All right, that's going to do it for today. If you had not done so, go to alphadogsthebook.com and order personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. And pretty soon I'll have a new book to you, for you guys to buy. Completely different from what I've done in the past, but I'm really excited about it. It's a book called Blooms of Oleander. It's a book uh, with some, uh, some ramblings and randoms and some poems and uh, a short story about uh, my family that uh, I think is very profound. It means a lot to me. So look forward to you guys having a chance to read those things. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. We've had a big run on that here as of late, and Jason tells me that all sizes and colors are completely restocked. So those of you that were wanting to order and then perhaps your size or color was unavailable, give that thing a try, a try again now. It's good to go. StarkVillains.com. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.